Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about TikTok, Zoom, and we have part two of our interview with Kevin Gaskill, the author of the book Inspired Leadership. Welcome, my fine friends, to another episode of The Kindness Project. This week on The Kindness Project, I'm joined by two blokes who are chatting about recording on holiday. It's Chris and Russell Danes. You've been, in this session, you've been particularly funny. Do you know that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, li- I, like your, I like your mood today. It's it's very up. It's working, well. working well. It's working well. It's working well. I might just go for a nap because I'm clearly so, not needed some anymore. Of our best, some of our best episodes have been when Charlotte's on bomb. I know. It's I provide so all Barry and Beryl, all of Buster Granham, all Charlotte's ideas. I mean, she's talking the mic. I can't even get anywhere near the mic. I literally she's talking to me at the mic. She's got a taste for it now. She's oh, a news reader. Um, Sophie, Sophie wants to I also have like. to periodically check that the red light on the mic is on. <laughs> we'll just lose audio so, on this You know what, right? You know what? I, 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 I was lucky enough to be a... Uh, guest on another podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh yes, I um, remember. <laughs> um and they like I we we do our one just with a um just with a uh, remote podcast mic and a laptop. They actually recorded their one in a studio in Soho. Um and oh. they were probably set up. What was that? That was Miles Lawton. So Miles is London last well, yeah, the podcast was um, about money. I went on to talk to uh, Wanderlust. Uh, yeah, Wanderlust. Yeah. I went on to talk to uh, Martha's audience because, as you probably know, listeners, yeah. if you've heard enough of these, and uh, I, I oh, yeah. run a financial planning business. Uh, so I went on the uh, Squanderlust podcast to talk about money. Actually, how money and kindness um, are related, and loads in between. But yeah, we went in, and and she like sort of, she does her recordings in her space, Robert's um, studio. Uh, you know. Hey, that's a better question. When are we getting a studio? When you paying for a studio, Russ? I'm not. Uh, no, I don't think I don't I don't think that was the first time one of us has been on another podcast to. Talk oh, about the kindness project. Not, not talk about the kindness we've, project. We've been on a few. Because to be fair, you remember when I years ago now, three years ago, uh, and I did a week of work experience at. Um, sorry, I got distracted, got distracted by my back. The legend, the, the legend that is Ollie. Yes, um, and me and Ollie had a chat, and they had a studio as well. Like, yeah, has everybody got a studio? Are we the only ones? A lot of people do recording studios. Like podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah, this yeah. is our recording studio, the dining room table and the macoo behind us. Yeah, just just this is our standard recording. I'd, I'd like to know what sort of numbers they're getting to justify a recording studio, though. Uh, I don't know, to be honest, right? So I think the way that Martha does it in terms of, whereas we do it for uh, all the giggles we have, um, and hopefully the audience enjoy it as well, I think Martha, it's more sort of yeah. business-focused and oh, stuff like that. You, To be fair, lads, we don't do too bad for ourselves, you know? We, oh, we don't. Well. No, I totally yeah. agree. 
numbers wise, we we are happy. We with don't the need none of that fancy, of fancy schmancy equipment. Oh, well for ourselves. Exactly. exactly. Oh, we are. The door. We are golden. With uh, I mean, we could do with a studio right now because I've got three people running around and a dog and the room doorbell going. So oh, I bet Martha Lawton don't have this sort of podcast. Oh no, it adds to no. the charm, my friend. It adds to the charm. When we look back and bit to ourselves. What you can do with a podcast mic and a computer, and then a little bit Enough. of know-how on there to upload it. We are a testament to yeah. minimalist technology and being that's able right. to. That's right. Well, and that's the thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? All you need now, really, you don't even need a podcast one. All you no. need is a mobile phone. Yeah. And you can popularly broadcast to the world. There's many people becoming famous on YouTube just recording on their phone. And TikTok's the same, recording videos on their phone. I'd like to note the package was for me. Randomly. It is my package. Oh, um, we might do an, uh, an official unboxing <laughs> live on the live on the Guidance Project because uh, that noise that you heard earlier on was um, Charlotte's new mobile phone arriving. Probably. Oh, oh lovely. Oh, when, when, um, when are we starting your new TikTok channel? <laughs> <laughs> It won't be long enough. You only get three minutes on TikTok. I need two minutes to take the tent off. No, actually. So how long did it take you? Sorry, did you just say um, it takes you more than three minutes to take the top off? Yeah. How long did it take you to take the top off? About four and a half. Four and a half minutes. I have to take it off, then I have to fold it. We're not suggesting you take your top off on the uh, on the TikTok. We're suggesting you just start topless Actually, and just go from there. Right. What did Sophie want to say? Let's think about adding ten minutes. Oh, our TikTok, our resident TikTok expert, yes, said that if they, uh, if uh, TikTok are thinking about doing a ten-minute video, that'd be perfect. I've read taking your top off. I've read the remaining time, five and a half minutes to do your cooking. I've read somewhere that they're talking about up in the limit. Well, originally it was only, what, 15 seconds? I mean, I don't know whether you get across <laughs> your um, the decency threshold if you take the top off. I don't know if they've got... The no, I, I, I think they're paying people for less. Yeah. I, that's who I was out for dinner yesterday with Russ. You was out for dinner with... Russ, no, this I see it in the diary, but I've <laughs> done it, but... No, that was Friday night, and he he was out in the garden project Saturday right, morning. Let me uh, uh well, let, let let you have a look at my diary, so you let know. Let me go back because I know this. Oh no, it's not curry club. Yeah, you with the curry club. I'm curry club, and you know um you know who um comes to the curry club, brothers, don't you? I don't. Well, it's my mate Mike. <laughs> my mate, my mate Berkey. Yeah, my mate Sean. Now, you yeah, know Sean Russ, don't you? Yeah, happened to mention me. <laughs> oh, no. Funny enough, Russ. Oh, no. He did mention you. Oh, no. He turned up to a, um, to a meeting, a professional business meeting, with less clothes than, um, than you probably I was, would be wearing. I was telling Stacey Keane. Who we was telling Stacey Keane. Stacey Keane, who we both know, was telling me that, I don't know if I can repeat it, but something happened on one of the Zooms that they used to run where she used to work. Right. 
and I happened to mention to her, that's not the strangest thing. I turned up topless to one of Chrissy's client meetings once. And what did she say? It was in fits. <laughs> she spent about 10 minutes laughing. Yeah, I was yeah. in fits when I first found out this happened. Now, <laughs> let, me, let me just say something. Sean remembers it, and I had to correct him, right? Sean remembers it, because he said it yesterday, and it just, he was making me laugh. <laughs> Sean remembers it, and this is what he said to me. Do you remember when Russell... And bear in mind, Sean, we were halfway through a particularly yeah. professional meeting, right? <laughs> um, uh, Sean remembers it, uh, and uh, in a slightly different way, because this is what he said to me. Do you remember... When Russell turned up for a Zoom meeting, just in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I, 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 I couldn't tell. No, what I was, I you was wearing trap bombs. <laughs> Honestly, I was. Very specific detail to remember, Russ. Are you sure he didn't make that up on the fly? <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I honestly think we overshare on these podcasts. I'm hoping I never have to bump into him. Huh? I'm hoping I never have to bump You're coming to the next curry club. <laughs> <laughs> When's the next curry club? Um, mid June, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for us to come down so he can he can come along and say to uh, have a chat with you directly. No, no, just the first thing you say to him. I was wearing jogging bottoms actually. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't in my that just I think the first thing I'd say to him is I'd apologize and then have you not? Well, I, I did. No, because he hasn't spoken. Oh, no, I apologised straight away. He, um... Literally, as I was leaving the tub, I was there. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This, this is what he did. This is what he did. He went, I'm so sorry. And then just went. And me and Sean are left looking at each other going, did that just happen? Did that genuinely, in a professional business meeting, I can laugh about it now, but... Now, he was lucky it was Sean, and even though he's a client, he's also a really good mate. So, um, so yeah. We uh, were, if it we was anyone else, she'd be an upwater us. Oh, anyone yeah. else. Yeah, but yeah, funny. Anyway, on that note, we haven't got a question of the podcast this week, so I'm going to let you come up. Should we Should we, should we? we have a quick brainstorm? Yeah, let's have, a, the let's have a, um, a hive mind. Um, <laughs> no, you said brainstorm. Oh, Sophie's got no idea. Go on, Sophie. What's your favourite type of pasta? Oh, yeah. Have we had that before. No. What no. is your favourite type of pasta? Is an amazing one. Thank you. Mine is Italian. You feel with that? Um, yeah. So what we'd like to know, ladies and gents, is what is your favourite type of pasta? What's yours, Russ? Mine at the moment is tagliatelle. It's nothing like a carbonara with a nice tagliatelle. That, that's a good choice. I mean, when we have food um, versions, right, you love it because you love a bit of cooking. I'm, I'm good with food. Yeah, yeah. I like a ravioli. Yeah. Um, particularly if it's a really interesting thing inside the ravioli shell. What's yours? Anything edible. <laughs> I just like pasta. I really do like pasta. Yeah. It needs to be flavoured, right, for me to really like. Oh, yeah, pesto, pasta. Mm. Pesto, pasta's good, yeah. And if you'd like to let us know, ladies and gents, what your favourite uh, pasta is, you can get in touch with us in the following ways. So on Twitter, we're out of the kindness. On Facebook, if you type the kindness credit into the search bar, we should come up. On Google, if you type the, the kindness credit, 
turn this project podcast into the search bar we should come up if you want to go directly to the website without faffing about with google it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk if you want to email us directly without faffing, faffing around with google or the website it's on the kindnessproject.co.uk uh please don't look for us anyone anywhere else there might be an fbi agent watching you <laughs> Or the CIA agent. Or, or, or MI6. MI6. <laughs> MI6. Or Mossad. Do you know any other secret like, no. place or stuff like that? No, I don't think we're supposed to know about the secret place yeah. at all. No, you, so what secret place are you talking about? We don't, don't even know. have it. We don't know nothing about it. Do you know the secret place? You give a get shut down at this point. <laughs> 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 Stop talking about the secret police. They are a secret, Russ. That's right. Do you know about secret, secret place? Police? Sorry, no. lads, this happened. I'm not in on. Right, right. Stop talking about things that are meant to be secret. <laughs> when I was a spy, <laughs> Rush, you'd be an amazing spy. You would be the top least spy. Is, 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 is that that is John Le Carre's? I'm, a, I'm a, the top least spy. You'd be brilliant in. I'm more Johnny English than James Bond knows. <laughs> What a reference, I love that. <laughs> and on that note, let's talk a little bit producer Johnny Russell English. Um, Russell Johnny it. English. Uh, James. This one um, is an amazing little story. Man finds £130,000 in cash while assembling kitchen cabinets he bought from eBay. Um, a DIYer bought the second-hand kitchen in eBay and was gobsnacked, gobsnacked, gobsmacked. Yeah, someone, someone snacks on his gob. <laughs> I'm going to leave that. Um, uh, um, Thomas Heller, 50, found the forgotten stash inside an envelope that had been left in one of the cab- cabinets that he bought for 250 quid. It's not bad it was what that, is it? But he was soon faced with a devastating twist when he realised he could not keep the fortune at his home in Bitterfield, Germany. The social housing managing director had managed to agree a bargain price for the open-air cabinets. They were advertised online uh, as part of the estate um, sale from an elderly couple 20 miles away. Thomas explained the kitchen set was meant to cost about 300 euros, um, currently... Um, down, but he was negotiating it down. Um, but the second hand kitchen suddenly shut up in value when the handy person uncovered uh, 150,000 euros worth, 126,000 pounds stashed inside. The honest homemaker took his findings to a nearby police station where they found a second envelope with even more cash. They opened the second locked covers in front of my eyes. There were larger bills in the envelopes, 200 and 500. Officers were amazed by Thomas's honesty and launched an investigation to track down the original owner of the kitchen. A case was opened at the district court, which found that the woman belonged to a 91-year-old woman from Howe, who was nursed in a retirement home after her husband died. Police in Germany further explained that the cupboards came from a house liquidation and were sold by a service provider on bar for the previous owner. The two cash boxes were well hidden in areas of the furniture that was difficult to see. The seller revealed as the elderly carbon son, uh, the seller 
was revealed as the elderly couple's grandson who told MDR newspaper they had no idea about the money. Thomas is now eligible for a 3% finance fee of 4,500 euros, currently worth 3,775 pounds. Thank you uh, as thanks for being a good Samaritan and mentioning it um, in, a, in a way that helps that elderly couple. So yeah, well done for the amazing honesty um, and for doing the right thing. That's what a legend that guy is. Next, we're going to talk about um, the Delhi worker. Uh, and again, this is from the mirror. The Delhi worker who warms hearts by going extra mile for a deaf couple at the supermarket. A supermarket worker has been praised for... Why can't I scroll? <laughs> oh, crikey. Okay. A supermarket worker has been praised for going the extra mile after learning sign language so she could communicate with deaf customers. The 22-year-old, known only as Casey, was inspired to learn Australian sign language when a local deaf couple became regulars at the Woolsworth supermarket in Mayborough. The Delhi assistant wanted to be able to communicate better with customers and dedicated her spare time to learning basic greetings and different weight volume measures using YouTube videos. She described the first time she conversed with a deaf customer as a special experience and said the woman's eyes lit up when Casey began to sign. Uh, Casey said it started off by learning Australian Sign Language on YouTube with simple greetings. Late last year, I dedicated most of my afternoon to learning simple retail greetings signs, such as, hi, how are you? How may I help you? As well as learning to communicate the different weight volume measures, particularly to the Delhi department. Casey had been wanting to learn since she was in school and said she plans to continue learning the language so she can improve her ability to communicate with people. Something I'd like to do is hold a conversation with them in the future. So it's definitely a skill I'll continue to practice. Love that. Absolutely love that story. Just the, the, the ability to communicate stuff like a, a skill we completely take for granted um, is certainly something that... Um, helping somebody do that, that better and just live their lives in a bit more of an easier way um, really, really helps in terms of um, in terms of doing that. So well done to that lady. That's brilliant news. And on that note, let's get to part two of our interview. Our interview this week is with Kevin Gaskell. Um, now, Kevin Gaskell is a business leader. He's run big car organisations in the past um, and... He is author of the book, Inspired Leadership. He is part two of our interview. Talk to me about that experience of just, you know, building those adventures with your son. Because that sounds amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I've been climbing mountains. I grew up, as I said, as a northwest, and, and we would go each weekend to Snowdonia and we'd go climbing. And so I've grown up climbing mountains and, and then doing all this stuff. And, and, and my son has watched me do this and then as he as he grew up he said you know can i come with you can i come yeah, yeah so the first expedition with him was when he was 12 um and we went trekking around the brecon beacon i just took him somewhere yeah. where he could get a flavor took him around the brecon beacons up and down some big hills his his rucksack was bigger than he was um because a wonderful photograph literally a big big pack on his back and he loved it and then when he was about 15 i walked to the north pole and he was too young i mean he it was it would have been too tough yeah, yeah. and then once you walk to the north pole well you want to walk to the south pole so when i was when he was about 17 i gently suggested over dinner one day 
to my family, oh, I'd like to walk to the South Pole. <laughs> my wife's kind of used to it. You know, she's yeah. she, she she's known me a long time. And Matt perked up and he said, well, you're not going without me this time. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we went, um, so we walked to the South Pole together, which was a pretty tough assignment. I mean, it's a, it's a very challenging place to get to. You know, people don't appreciate that the South Pole is at 10,000 feet altitude. Yeah. And, and and it's at equivalent of 14,000 feet because the Earth's atmosphere is thinner down there and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, but it was our average day was minus 45 centigrade. So it's a very challenging environment. How long, we, how long, did, how long did the expedition take? How long we, we were on the ice for about six weeks. Right. So, and he plugged away. And, and honestly, after the third day, I thought he wasn't going to make it. But is then it, really, it, he wasn't eating a, properly. Yeah. Is there a point where you get acclimatized? Yes, there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. There's a point where you stop noticing the cold. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're still going to be very cautious because when you stop noticing it, um, you know, that's when you can get frost nip and particularly any exposed any exposed areas, you know, your face. I have two scars on my face from a bit of frost nip. Um, so you do have to be wary at all times, but you do stop noticing the extreme cold. I mean, when you get off the aeroplane on Antarctica, it is like somebody hitting you in the face with a baseball bat. I mean, it is yeah. that cold. Yeah, yeah. But, but you do acclimatise, yeah. Yeah. So, so we've gone on. We've gone on since then. So we've gone and climbed some of the world's biggest mountains together, and and we went back to the North Pole so he could do both poles. Um, so was the conversation when you decided to uh, uh, to go on your own expedition the same? Was it you're not leaving without your dad? No, <laughs> no. It was it was quite the opposite actually. Oh, was it right? Interesting. Yeah, because I said to him, "Hey, I, I'd, I'd like to row the Atlantic. Do you want to come?" And he said, "No." <laughs> I said, why? He said, we'll die. He said, it'll be pain, pain, and more pain, and then we'll die. I said, well, try and be a bit more positive than that. <laughs> and he said, no. He said, we don't know anything about it. It's too dangerous. I'm not coming. So I, I said, I'm, okay. I'm assuming the guys that the, 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 the guys who were in the boat had some sort of knowledge of you know the environment they're going in or navigation, or was it five complete amateurs? Well... <laughs> None of them had ever rowed, right? But they were dinghy sailors, and a couple of them um, worked on super yachts as crew members. So they had some understanding of the sea. Yeah. So, so when I said to Matt, "Okay, well that's a shame because I've got a crew," he said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, I've got a crew." Oh, he said, "You're serious?" I said, "Yeah, I'm absolutely." He said, "All right, I'm in then." <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Then. So that was it. So he was in. So if it was if it was GSU, Kev, he wouldn't have done it, but. <laughs> Well, I, I said to him that um, I'm, I enjoyed it so much that I'm going to do it again. And he said, well, you're mad. I said, well, I'll do it on my own. He said, no, you'll die. I said, well, what if I did the Pacific? Would you come with me? He said, yeah, I'll come with you on that. So we're going to do the Pacific in 2024. But the story of the book is, you know, what do you learn? How do you go out and race against Atlantic oarsmen who some of them have been Olympians. I mean, we're racing people who are serious oarsmen. And and I suppose I suppose one of the one of the things that came across in terms of uh, in, in when I've been reading some elements on the book. So I haven't read the book, but I've been doing some research for this interview. Was that there was so many lessons that you learned through the process of 
going on the expedition. Do you want to share a couple of those? What what were the ones that stand out the most? Now I know there's I know that in the blurb it says there's eighty, so we don't need to go through all yeah. eighty. But there's probably a couple that you want to share. Well, I think the biggest one is the recognition that preparation is everything. Yeah, and it's the same in business. You know, you've got to do your thinking before you lurch into some business situation you're unfamiliar yeah. with. Yeah. And the most critical one, I believe, is about the culture. And the, the the words we used on the boat were be kind. Yeah. And I know this is a kindness pod- podcast, but it was be kind because we're all going to have a very bad day. Yeah. Now, to give you an idea, we're rowing 24-7 and there's no support vessel. People keep saying, oh, do you get off at night into a... No, we're just in a rowing yeah. That's yeah. it. There yeah. is nothing but us. There is no rescue. There is nothing. So we're all going to have a bad day. When you're rowing, two hours on, two hours off, all day, seven days a week. And we rowed for 19 days without taking a break. We took, we gave ourselves a 30-minute break to celebrate that, New Year. Right, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. It, it, it was it was work all the way through. Then, work all the it? way through. Yeah, yeah. But that's why the culture is so important because yeah. when you're lacking in sleep, as we were, you know, you get two hours off. You've got to eat, wash, do the jobs on the boat, yeah. use the toilet, yeah. all of that stuff, and then you get to sleep. So you might get an hour's sleep, and then you're back on rowing for another yeah, yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah. And we started. You start to get a bit batty. You know, you get you start hallucinating about day 12, 13, 14 you are seeing things that are not there. You know, I, I at one point, I knew exactly where we were because I could see Tesco. I was absolutely convinced of this particular shadow out, out on the ocean was Tesco. It's a Tesco. Yeah, <laughs> completely bonkers. Yeah. But the culture that we created meant that we supported each other through. And that's what I'm interested in. So, so that element of culture, that element of be kind. Yeah. You know, it has that manifested in the boat when you're when you're out and you've had that sort of hour of sleep. How does how, how does that culture manifest itself? Is it just making sure that you're considerate of each other and the fact that you know we're all going through a tough time, so let's help each other through it? Yes, it's exactly that. Yeah. You know, somebody might be having a really tough shift and finding it hard work to row for that particular two hours. Mm. You don't moan at them. What you do is say, okay, ease off a little. I'll I'll carry it for the next hour. You yeah. ease off. And, and, you know, we were five guys who were all determined to give absolutely 110%. But there comes a time when some people say, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm just struggling a bit right now. Okay, then we'll carry it. You, you, just, yeah. Yeah. you just give yourself a breather for a moment. We'll carry it. Is that, uh, is that? Is that a culture you applied to business as well? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the thing about leadership is it's about inclusivity. Yeah. It's not about exclusivity. It's about inclusivity. And the role of being a leader, to my mind, is, is about creating a culture where people feel part of it, yeah. where, where people feel that they are engaged, they're involved, and that's what leads to the inspiration. Yeah, And so my approach to leadership is about being very inclusive. It is about talking to everybody. It is not about exclusivity. Yeah. You know, in some of the businesses I've run, one of the first things I've done is you know, the old-fashioned close down the executive dining room. Yeah, um, yeah. 
at BMW. It creates a barrier, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. At BMW, I turn, I, I turn the executive dining room into a library and a relaxation area for the whole team. Amazing. So people could yeah. come in there, read books, read journals, have a chat, take a break. And I suppose, I mean, the interesting thing with that is, do you think culture, business culture in particular has changed? Because I'd argue it's changed for the better over the last sort of three decades. Do you reckon we, we've moved from a situation where um, it was a less kind environment, a bit of a dog-eat-dog environment, potentially in the 70s and the 80s, and we've sort of evolved to, to a situation where we realise that only works for a certain amount of people. What do you think? Yeah, I do think it has evolved um, because, thankfully, more leaders have learned that the way to engage their teams and build a great business is about catching people in, not catching people out. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. When, if somebody does something that's, that's helpful and positive, then catch them in, make a fuss, yeah. engage with them and thank them. When it goes wrong, because things go wrong every day in business. 100%. Don't make an example of it. That's when you have the quiet conversation. That's when you want to speak about what did we learn from that? And again, this comes back to the boat. When it went wrong, okay, guys, what did we learn from that? What can we do differently next time? And, Sorry, go ahead. And I was just going to say, you know, we got caught in this storm, which absolutely hammered us and broke two of our oars. Yeah. You know, we in the morning, we, we, through the night, it was about survival. I mean, this was a very, yeah. very dangerous situation. And so in the morning, we had a, a, a quick team chat because we couldn't row. We were still facing a howling gale. Um, so we, we, we deploy what's called a parrot anchor. We basically throw a parachute in the water to keep us stable. And then we had a team chat, right, what have we learned from that? And it's not about, it's not about blame or about, well, you know what, if, we, if you'd done that differently, you'd done, you know, it's not about that. It's what do we learn as a team? Yeah, yeah. And how do we that. move forward? Exactly. Yeah. I apply that in business. And, yeah. And... and by doing that, I find that people feel they want to contribute. Yeah, you yeah. can't you can't tell somebody to be inspired. You have no. to invite them. So that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And on that note, tis the end of another podcast. But the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. We look at last week's question, we look at your answers, and we just say them aloud. Oh, thank you. And last week's question of the podcast was, uh, what is your least and best exercise today? Steve Dan says, love boxing, hate lunges. Christy, oh, Mike Christie. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Love a brisk walk for miles and miles, whereas running, mm, uh, and it's just like palm face emojis. I think those are quite high on my recently used thing. <laughs> Haley Ball said, love cycling, especially with the kids. Keeping up with the boy is a real challenge, whereas burpees are specifically designed to make me look like an idiot. Eve Keith said, hate burpees, love step aerobics, proper retro. Emma Stevens Tang... You know? Yeah, Emma Stevens Tang, yeah. Boot camp, of course. Swimming is my job. I love running, but my knee does not. Sam Chilton said, finding a love of walking as I can't run at the moment. I hate swimming in leisure centres. Hazel Grace says, love walking. I'm rubbish at walking uphill or downhill, though. I'm with you on the burpees. That's in response to your comment about not liking burpees. Caroline Thompson said, I'm enjoying yoga at the moment, but hate, hate, hate burpees. Says, There's a theme here Sean, about our hate of burpees, isn't it? Sean Neil Acton said, love cycling, spin and boxing, burpees, sport of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> 
Justin Gamley said, I love to woodland walk with my gorgeous dog. In fact, at present, we are doing a, doing five kilometres per day to reach 150 kilometres by the end of May, raising money for Macmillan Cancer Support. I hate gyms. Yeah. Catherine Knoll said, Zumba, oh, uh, and with the uh, Macmillan Cancer Support, there's a donation thing. And on I'm the sure Facebook. we'll be able to share the link to Jackson's fundraising show notes. Catherine Knoll says, Zumba. Um, do you love it or hate it? That's not clear. You don't know. Daniel Fagey says anything that won't affect post-op recovers. Right now, PS controller arm lift is. Yeah, and on that note, uh, and after we've definitely confirmed that holding your PS controller is an exercise, I didn't realise so, that counted. So is so is. Um, well, a little while back, they said that the first, very first Wii was like doing an exercise with the remote controls. So we sports. Yeah, like we sports. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's true. And on that note, that's the end of another podcast. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next week on The Kindness Project. Bye. Bye. Bye.